Children, what are you doing? I'm going to electrocute him. I said no. Please. Imagine having a mom who listens. Oh, all right. A dad with a good egg. Keep the ball. I have a whole bucket full. And an uncle who returns from the dead. A family you'd be proud to call your own. Family. Rated PG-13. Now playing at theaters everywhere. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cinemarcade. This is the podcast about movies, video games, and uh, all those sparks that fly when those worlds collide. My name is Steve Guntley. Who's joining me here today? Why, it's me, uh, J-Ban. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> she was just chewing on some gum. No, that, that was my impression of... Um, of Gomez Mackinon Morticia. <laughs> mwah, mwah, mwah. Oh, did you do Foley for the movie? That's pretty good. <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> and who else is joining us today? Uh, hi, hello. It's Justin. Hello, Justin. Justin, uh, people can't see him, but he is covered head to toe in hair. And uh, yeah, he's speaking more clearly than usual. Usually it's a me, 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 me. Yeah, thing, look. Yeah. That's but, me before I have a Snickers. <laughs> uh, well, I'm excited today because we are talking about. The Adams Family. That's right. We are starting a whole new two-part miniseries. They've all been two-parters so far. We're going to have longer ones down the line. But um, now, I don't know about you guys. I don't know how you've been feeling lately. I don't know where you're. You've been at. Maybe Warm. it's just me, like approaching middle age. But lately, I've just been feeling um, creepy and <laughs> and kooky altogether. I, I altogether ooky. I have to say, I've is, been feeling a little ooky, and I'm glad to watch this movie and really feel uh, seen. Is it really because the doors out your living room to the balcony are into somebody's bedroom window? Uh, I mean, that does feel pretty ooky, yeah. But you know, but, I, I, I I choose not to look. Yeah. Your dog was hardcore dogging him. The hard. Well, I re I really think the dog just discovered her own reflection and was trying to engage in conversation with herself. She's not bright. Um, but you know, we can't hold that against her, but she's real cute. But, uh, you know what else is real cute and is real bright is the Adams family movie. Um, this movie came out November 22nd, 1991. It was directed by Barry Sonnenfeld and written by Carolyn Thompson and Larry Wilson. And it stars Angelica Houston, Raul Julia, Christopher Lloyd, Dan Hedaya, Elizabeth Wilson, Christina Ricci, Jimmy Workman, Carl Strukin, uh, Judith Molina and Dana Ivey. Now, for all the kind of gothy, like weird trappings of this series, this has been one of the most weirdly enduring series in American pop culture. Like this started as a comic strip in the New Yorker in 1938. All right. And it's still kicking. It is still it, like it is the most popular show on Netflix is based on the Adams family. So like this is a, a license that has some legs uh it was written by a guy named charles adams appropriately enough yeah in 1938 they first appeared in the new yorker those comic strips ran all the way until 1964 uh and then they started a tv series that lasted for two seasons but it was really like iconic like everybody knows the theme song to that tv show even though 
I'd be surprised if any of us have seen an episode. I don't think I've ever I, seen in a whole episode. I've I've saw episodes when they were like on reruns. Okay, yeah, like Nick and Night stuff. Uh, like. Yeah, I don't remember a lot except for Morticia and Gomez macking on each other. That's um, been a consistent, yeah. And I really loved Cousin It. I remember loving Cousin It. I mean, he's he's kind of a, a breakout character in the movies too. Like, just uh, they they use him very sparingly, but he's a nice little spice that they break out uh, when they want to get a little more interesting. Uh, the show, yeah, it ended in 1966, but it was revived in 1977. They had a TV movie, and in the meantime, there were like a couple attempts at an animated shows. They crossed over with Scooby Doo a couple of times, and then the Adams Family largely sat out the 80s until. This movie got made in 1991. Um, now, this is definitely a movie that was really major in my childhood. I mean, Jay, man, about you're about the same age as me. Yeah. Do you remember there was like, there was like a legit like Adams Family fever for a little there, bit. There definitely was. I mean, so many like Happy Meal tie-ins and like toys and games and everything like that. Like, this was suddenly a really hot property, and you look at it now, and you're just like. That, how cool is it that this really took off? Mm -hmm. Like that this was such a huge hit because it's very weird. It's really dark, uh, but it's exuberant and it's hilarious yeah, and it's just it's really, really inventive. Um, it, it's a movie I have a ton of fun with. I do want to shout this out. Um, first of all, apparently there's a common misconception that this is a Tim Burton film. Really? Which like... <laughs> I get, but also like it's diminishing the the uh, impact of Barry Sonnenfeld in yeah. his film debut. Uh, he was a cinematographer for a couple of years. He worked with the Coen Brothers uh, on like Blood Simple, uh, Raising Arizona, Miller's Crossing, all beautifully shot movies. And uh, he also worked on things like uh, When Harry Met Sally and Misery and Big. Like so, he's a really good cinematographer. Yeah. This was his first film. It made it big, and then he had this kind of like brief little miracle run in the 90s he had this one very forgettable romantic comedy with michael j fox called for love or money which we won't hold against him but between adam's family uh, or and uh, after that it's adam's family values which we will talk about next week it's get shorty which i love i think that's such yeah, a solid I've never little, seen get shorty really fun solid yeah. little crime uh show business satire and then there's Men in Black in 1997. Men in Black, oh. a, a pretty goddamn perfect mm -hmm. blockbuster. Like a tight 97-minute, fun, funny movie. We will talk about that down Welcome the line. Welcome to Earth. Well, that's Independence Day. How dare you? How dare you? You can't. He, they're not trying to welcome people to Earth. They're trying to police the people who are coming in. But unfortunately, that seemed to kind of be the end of Barry Sonnenfeld. Because after that, I don't know what happened. He just seemed to like lose it completely his follow-up film which was a huge budget like huge spectacle movie befitting his status and will smith's status was wild wild west i have a big weakness oh, for wild, wild look west. Oh i kind of do too oh my god i enjoy really? that movie okay i cannot defend that movie I, <laughs> I, I cannot i have a hard time with that one i don't know whether or not as an adult watching it i would have a different opinion but i just remember I really love, uh, I've always loved Klein. Like, oh, sure. Um, and I love Will Smith, and I love Selma Hayek. And it's just so, and I love the steampunk aesthetic. I don't, again, yeah. we'll, we'll know when, uh, do we, are we going to watch it on the show? Yeah, we get a game. Yeah, um, yeah. So Woo! we'll figure out whether or not it holds up, but. Uh, I think you'll be surprised at how racist that movie is. <laughs> Maybe you won't be surprised. I don't know. But uh, it that, that makes it a little uncomfortable for me. 
Um, and uh, the script, I think, is just bad on that movie. Like, again, I, I agree. Like, Kevin Klein, Will Smith, they have great chemistry in that movie. But, who boy, that script is really rough. Um, but, yeah, his, his follow-up films to that, Men in Black 2, which is just like a nothing movie. Uh, he had like RV uh, with oh. Robin Williams. He had Big Trouble with Tim Allen. His most recent film, the last movie that he made, if you want to talk about ill-conceived, this was a kids' film with Kevin Spacey uh, called Nine Lives about Kevin Oof. Spacey getting turned into a cat. Um, so that's a movie that's probably aged like milk. He really Is that don't karma go at back. that point. Oh man, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm refusing to watch that movie or engage with it at all. Um, yeah, I mean, I hope he like pulls out of the slump and has kind of like a late career resurgence because he really was like a pretty great filmmaker for a couple of years there. He's good at making these incredibly efficient, really fun blockbuster movies that like, they're not going to take up too much of your time. They're going to come in, they'll come out and uh, you're going to have a great time. Stuff like that always makes me wonder, like, is it them that changed or was there like a, a piece of the recipe that's missing. Like, for instance, the Lucas and editing. Right. And really anybody around George Lucas saying, hey, this sounds bad. Let's do this differently. Yeah. Um, is there, like, somebody that was a part of his crew or close to him that moved th- on to other things? I think it's really hard to stay relevant. I feel like the people hit their zeitgeist, and then they don't change. No. They don't evolve. And I think that's one of the reasons why... Um, people like Tim Burton have such a career in Wes Anderson have such a career is because they have their own style mm-hmm. uh, versus something for the zeitgeist because uh, Tim Burton's Batman versus Big Fish. Yeah. They're both uh, aesthetically Tim Burton movies, but they're both different movies for different time periods. Yeah, he um, was really good at adapting his style. It's kind of like that time period where you're watching a movie and there was a lot of big fiery explosions and you were like, is this directed by Michael Bay? Right. And then it was, and you were like, <laughs> there you okay. go. You, you, this you, makes it, a lot of sense. Really big, well-shot explosion. You can guess it's a Bay. I mean, speaking of Tim Burton, I really do think like, he, he was not involved with this movie, but I really do think this movie was riding a little bit of the Burton wave at this point because he was kind of hitting his career peaks. He'd had, uh, Beetlejuice was a huge hit. I don't know if it's Tim Burton though, but like the period, the time period, goth was certainly in. That's it kind was, of the thing. So it was edgy, like Winona Ryder dressing up as um, like this gorgeous, like um, goth fairy child yeah um was like the epitome of fashion at the time period yeah this is there was definitely an affinity at this time for these kind of like darker gothic comedies you know so i think this was probably greenlit on the goodwill that like movies like edward scissorhands and and uh even the original batman had kind of generated it's like okay so Cool weirdos are in, like weird nerds who are going to make uh, uh, interesting movies like this. Those are in right now. So why not? Let's bring back the Adams Family. And I mean, I don't know if this is the beginning of the wave of um, trying to revive like old TV shows into movies. There was a nice little run of those in the 90s, like mm-hmm. the Brady Bunch movie and My Favorite Martian and Leave it to Beaver, a bunch of things like that. Um, but I think a lot of that is built off the success of this. This was a $30 million movie that made $200 million at the U S box office. This was a runaway, like late in the year hit. 
And uh, critics were kind of dismissive of this movie at first, which I don't get. Mm -hmm. Um, I think they mostly would probably go back and eat their words about that now. But I mean, I think so much of this is hinged on this incredible cast that they've put together for this movie. Like absolutely perfect casting. Perfect casting. Um, uh, Angelica Houston as Morticia Adams. Oh, oh my God. Iconic. So Uh, iconic. So I read that it was something that they didn't like the shape of her eyes so that they taped her eyes back um so that she had like this and so it was very painful Mm. and like and that went under her wig and that she had to like have a break at lunchtime otherwise uh she would get terrible headaches and i'm just like angelica houston did not need that um she looks great as is they kind of put her through the ringer because you notice she doesn't really move a lot as this character and that's because the dress that they have her in is so ridiculously confining that she can't really move but they do this cool trick with her that I watched this movie a dozen times as a kid and didn't really notice it until uh, recent years. But it, they they illuminate her eyes mm-hmm. like in every shot. Like she's in shadow except for like a bar yeah. of light across her eyes. Yeah. And that's how she's always lit no matter who else is in the scene. I think that's a really cool choice. Uh, Raul Julia, yeah. who is absolutely incredible as Gomez. He's a classically trained theatrical uh, actor. And uh, we lost him, sadly, a couple years after this. He, uh, I believe he died of cancer in 1994 or something like that. So this was kind of a big career moment for him that would sadly be kind of short-lived. Um, but he's incredible. He's a star in it. He's just oh. so amazing. He brings this energy to Gomez that uh, I don't know if you've seen the Wednesday series like no um, it's the guy, Luis Guzman now right yeah he yeah. just doesn't he doesn't do it for me okay like, Gomez is supposed to be debonair and dashing and uh, Luis Guzman just doesn't do it like, well I mean I, I'll I, I haven't seen Wednesday at all but um, I will say like the original drawing of Gomez and like the portrayal of him in most of uh, the films is as a short and squat and kind of ugly guy who's mm. just hugely confident. And I think Raul Julia brings the dashing element to it, but that's that works so well because he and Morticia, their energy together is just like, I mean, hashtag couples goals, you know, yeah. like that's like, uh, they are so horny for each other 24 <laughs> seven. They're in complete accord. They have found their other half and I mean, that's kind of the amazing thing about the Adams family, just as a series. Like, you know, it started as kind of this dark parody of the nuclear family, you know, like that, especially in the 1930s, like this nuclear family model was really being drilled into you. So he's like, okay, well, what if we have this nuclear family that is like they embrace everything that we're not supposed to embrace. Mm-hmm. Like they're dark and they're weird and they like bugs and spooky things. And, and, but they're still, they ex- keep arsenic in the house. They do. And cyanide. <laughs> they're still extremely loving and extremely happy. The whole family has just absolutely found their thing. They embrace it and they really don't give a shit what the rest of the world thinks about them. That, that thing was interesting to me because I didn't have exposure to this movie. This is the first time I'd ever seen it. Yeah. Um, but I'd always heard of like Wednesday Adams portrayed as like this dark, depressing figure. But the portrayal is not depressing. The portrayal is like there is tinges of like excitement in various moments. 
it's just always in weird things. I say weird things, but like yeah. unusual things, like being really into sword fights and death. I mean, like morbid satisfaction or morbid fascinations as opposed to like just being a depressing Debbie Downer all the time. Well, and I think the chemistry of the cast together is what brings this movie because like everyone can be individually cast really well, which they were, but like they feel like a family. Yeah. Like, and that's one of the reasons why, again, I'm not the biggest fan of the the hit Wednesday show is because they take Wednesday out of her family um, mm. and they put her in a boarding school. Uh, and it's just like, for me, the Adams family was all about the family, like the family. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was really interesting uh, coming back and watching this after like such a long time uh, because I'm just like, I remember uh, maybe I'm mixing it up with Adam's family values, but I remember Wednesday having a bigger part. Uh, yeah. like she definitely like rocks her parts of the movie. Uh, but, um, Morticia and Gomez are in Fester are the stars of this movie and definitely, um, the children are the supporting cast. I mean, yeah. th this was a huge breakout for Christina Ricci, who I think is, is perfect in the part. Um, and Wednesday is just a wonderful character because she is just, she, she discovered her happiness and that is depression. Like mm -hmm. depression is the thing that makes her happiest in the world. Like contradictory as that is, that's just how it yeah, works. It's, it's like when you look at the family, it actually is a, like all the relationships are very healthy. Uh, they're a good family, yeah. just interested in really unusual things. Yeah. I um, mean, and the, the, the movie delves so much deeper and darker than the TV show or the comic strips ever did, which of course they have that freedom to do. I mean, there's a line that kills me every time. And I'm always like, I can't believe they got away with that. They're talking about fester and they're like uh, kind to of animals so good with children and gomez immediately says they never proved anything <laughs> because that was always the joke about uncle fester is that he looks he gives off like child molester energy oh no and it's like oh my god that is so crazy dark uh i mean that is pretty dark christopher lloyd in as the fester part two is incredible I, because he is not that he body disappears type. into that role absolutely he is a tall lean man who they put in this bodysuit to make him like hunched and short and bald and he performs every line like he's choking on something mm -hmm. i i saw adam's family values in the last year like okay recent which yeah, yeah. Is crazy for me yeah um one of my roommates was watching it or something i can't remember but uh they're good people and yeah. they're treating you well yes uh when you said that christopher lloyd was in this movie last week at the end i was like oh my god was christopher lloyd is fester yeah i never i would never look at fester and go that's christopher lloyd but when you said christopher lloyd was in it i was like that yeah that is him yeah that's he just yeah absolutely buries himself in there and he brings this vulnerability to this sort of like uncouth character uh that he's you do root for fester or gordon masquerading as fester yeah because his mom is so unlikable yeah and just like the real villain of the movie uh and i love the line where mortician's like uh listing the defects in her <laughs> character it's like we could have been such good friends yes um i mean that's so good i mean yeah that that whole subplot is is uh it, it's fun and that kind of like drives 
the plot to a large degree is this imposter, quote unquote, fester who's trying to infiltrate the family. But uh, spoiler alert, he does turn out to be the actual real fester who disappeared a long time ago and has lost his memories. Have you heard about the story behind that? About no. They had Christina Ricci, the 10 year old Christina Ricci, go to the director and say, because all the cast thought um, that uh, Fester should be real Fester in the end. Uh, so they gave Christina Ricci uh, to go to the director to tell him that the whole cast th- thought that. <laughs> That's cute. It's both cute, but you're like putting this on this little girl. You're yeah. Just, like, it's such a weird it's like, thing it's to do. It's buttery on the director. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. You know. Well, I guess you're like, he's not going to yell at a little girl, but no. like if uh, like an, uh, an adult actor is like, hey, you know, you, you, you've written it this one way and we don't like it. Yeah. I, I think it definitely because I uh, spoilers uh, for the for me for the movie I had seen the second one and I was like well that's that's the guy yeah so I'm like what interesting so uh, the real one comes back You're and right. then it was like okay yeah the real one comes back yeah totally um, yeah I mean there's such an interesting like presentation of the the world of the Adams family it's not just it's not just that it's creepy and gothic. It's that everybody is seemingly either a cartoon character or immortal. Yeah. You know, like the, the Adams can't really die or they can't really feel pain because maybe it's just because they enjoy it too and much. So they I only feel joy. Yeah. Um, I think it's really interesting. I think this movie has one of the like has a really great opening where they have the um, Christmas carolers singing and then them like about to be pouring what I assume is hot oil or yeah. something. Hot, like boiling water on them or, or something. something I was like what? Or a potion <laughs> or something and you're just like that was such a like this is the Adams family welcome buckle up and ride Yeah, this is gonna get, be it yeah and the fact that they were doing it happily as a family you were like oh alright all right. I mean, I, it is your property. It's a great way to introduce us to the characters and just like it really like that's all we need to know is like we have this row of smiling, happy normies who are just like singing their song. They're beautifully harmonizing. Everything sounds great. And then these creepy weirdos are delighting and dumping that. That's everything you need to know. That's all. you uh, need. I also I really enjoyed Gordon slash Fester's journey. Yeah. Um, because him coming in and being like all excited, like I want money. Yeah, let's do this. And then, uh, by like the halfway point of the movie, like the cracks start showing and he's like, all oh, these kids, I, I like hanging out with these kids. Yeah. Like, like just the way he was, was similar to them. And so he was fitting in, even though he didn't, he was to him a separate person. I mean, the scene where they're performing the Shakespeare mm-hmm. was yeah. absolutely notorious on the schoolyard before I got to see this movie. Like I'm, I'm amazed my parents let me see this as young as I did. Like, I think I got to see it when it first came on VHS in like 92 or whatever. And, uh, that scene, even though it's established that this is fake blood, you are still spraying gore <laughs> off of children, like all over the stage, all over the crowd. And it's just like for a PG-13 movie, I'm just like, this is amazing that they're getting away with this. There's a great episode of Bob's Burgers mm-hmm. uh, where something very similar happens on a Thanksgiving oh. uh, with the Thanksgiving turkey episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've seen that episode. Um, the, it's so great. The uh, the tur- They get 
real turkey innards and blood and they like spray and they explode and spray the audience um i can't i shouldn't remember the name of the uh episode but it's out there i mean the, the thanksgiving episodes of bob's burgers are always unbelievable because he just loses his mind but i every always year. thought it was so smart that they were doing an homage to the adams family yeah because um, it's very clear it's one of those scenes that like i remember seeing it as a kid and thinking it was a dream or that this couldn't possibly be real and that I'm not allowed to watch this. Like, cause even then I recognized that it was funny. Like mm -hmm. I recognize, like it didn't scare me or upset me or anything like that. Like my parents were worried it might, but, uh, I just had this surreal disconnect from it. I'm like, oh, there's no way I'm allowed to be watching this right now. Like, <laughs> I, this is crazy. I was the whole time that was happening. I was just brainstorming. Like, where is it all coming from? Mm-hmm. Because other in one single like they do cut away and cut back. However, each time they do that, a lot of blood comes out, and you're like, "Is this like? Are they wearing like a blood pack, like blood backpack or something behind something. them? Yeah, with like a pump that is just keeping the pressure going, or like a hose because, up their leg. Yeah, or something. it yeah. is high pressure." sustained and i mean Sprays. the the way this movie is set up it's entirely possible that that's just their blood because <laughs> the kids can't die like none of them could die. they they spend their free time torturing each other for fun they're and, very like, crafty too like, yeah all the the whole family has hobbies yeah they do uh, they live in their they're passions. a happy family that has hobbies well i was about to ask what they do for a living but i guess they have family riches, family, riches. family, family yeah. wealth that you it, it's implied that it's like war spoils or like uh, gained from witchcraft. They had Spanish like, doubloons. So yeah. yeah, they they probably got a lot in the Inquisition or something like so that. So here's here's my question: Are they vampires? They're not vampires. I mean, they go out at day and night. The daytime. But, yeah, they're yeah, not I don't vampires. Think they are, but witches maybe um they've got all kinds. I mean, it's implied that Gomez is a multiple serial killer. So like, you know. I think they're just generally this movie makes them more um, evil than the TV show or the cartoons did. But it's still like a pleasant, playful evil. Like they're they're really nice to everybody. They're really nice. To, they're very I mean, genteel. They're very uh, well bred. That is how serial killers usually work. Yeah. Yeah. They're, and they're often very good with people. But it's it, there is just something inspiring about how the Adamses are just completely incapable of pretending to be anything else. Like they, they are so fully themselves, and they are so happy in the being fully themselves, and they, they have found their clan, and they're really like thriving. And they, that's that's always been kind of inspiring, I think. You know. Well, and I think it, like for as a person who like I was friends with a lot of goth kids, and I dressed goth. Sure. Uh, I. Like there's a lot to that goes into identifying yourself goth that I never really felt was aligned with who I was. Yeah. Um, but I was like a gothy anime kid who wore snakeskin pleather pants when I was 13 to gym class. <laughs> that those are difficult clothes to run in in gym. <laughs> they are difficult clothes to run in in gym. Can you just say like sorry, sorry, can't do, can't do it today. Snakeskin. Yeah, you didn't have to. I had Can't to wear change it. out of these. I had a uniform I had to put on for gym. You had oh, a really? uniform for gym? Yeah. No, wow. we did not have a uniform. And the worst part was, was that it was a t-shirt and shorts. Mm. And uh, I grew up in the upper Midwest. That 
was not appropriate a lot of the year because it was real, real cold. Oh, because you had to do like so, outdoor. Yeah. Track oh, we stuff. we okay. had a full. The football field had a track around it. Yeah, yeah. And so we had a full like half mile track, and because uh, weirdly enough, it was a poor school for the kind, relatively poor school, but mm-hmm. we had like really good facilities because we had a rich family in town that gave a lot of money. But anyway, perfect. Um, we would be like, yeah, (laughs) we would be like full like hoodies and stuff and then just shorts running outside in like November. And we're like, wait, when do we switch over to doing stuff inside the rest of the year? I mean, please do that now. I, I grew up about to snow. I grew up in the Rocky mountains, but I got around all of that by, literally being so bad at gym that my teachers just took pity on me. I remember in freshman year, I signed up for a weight training class that I immediately tuned out of. And I spent the most of my time sitting on a weight bench, reading Calvin and Hobbes comics. <laughs> I got to be, and this was my teacher didn't care. He's just like, all right, well you're here. You Friends, know, this was in the days before having an iPod was yeah. a thing. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah. I just had to. I had to. Uh, you yeah. had actual newspaper clippings. I had the combined, like the the trade paperbacks, the, like the combined. Okay, bunch. Like I the had like, or whatever. yeah, yeah. I had all of those. I thought it was so interesting when, um, like, you see the Adams family in real world situations. Yeah. Uh, like for example, the auction, and they're like macking on each other, uh, <laughs> like driving up the cost of something that they themselves gave away um and uh like being uh, i because i um i feel like the the section that they lose their fortune uh and they're trying to like raise money and um uh, and thing um thing really holds this thing together <laughs> uh, yeah uh sorry that was my pun and uh, that was I'm, I'm sticking by it uh but he really had his finger on the pulse thing, yeah, you could say he really lent a hand <laughs> <He did>. uh, <laughs> <laughs> i mean the the thing special effects are pretty amazing for the time like, I, I think I, they hold up i was looking i didn't pay as much attention to it later on in the movie but early in the movie i did and it was interesting if you paid attention to each scene how some scenes it would have a uh, reflection in a shadow and then the next scene it would just have reflection no shadow mm. um and so it was definitely probably not something that they were like crazy used to doing yeah um, like think, obviously people did it but there wasn't this was early green screen they had a puppeteer named Christopher Hart doing all of the the hand motions yeah. but thing in the tv show just lived in a box and it was clearly like a man inside a table like reaching up through mm-hmm. a box to like give people messages and stuff but here they make him so dynamic he gets to like just run around and crawl and everything and and again it's just in the reality of this movie everybody just sort of accepts thing like nobody yeah. really questions yeah. it i i loved the part where thing shows up post them being cut off from their fortune they're like in a motel or whatever yeah yeah and thing shows up and starts doing like sign language and uh it's doing it's just like rapid fire then the pen and... doesn't work and then he uses morse code yes yeah. which is interesting because thing doesn't have a gender but we're all saying he that's true. yeah yeah i mean uh, it is kind of a masculine looking hand i guess but, but yeah. when he goes like slow it down I can't understand you when you stutter like that. And yeah. It's like <laughs> it is very yeah. jarring seeing the Adamses outside of their 
natural environment when they're in this shitty motel, like watching Sally Jesse Raphael <laughs> and calling into the show, uh, selling Girl Scout cookies. No, they don't sell cookies. They're selling poison lemonade. Uh, but yeah, they're the, scaring Girl Scouts. The little girl who plays the Girl Scout is going to come back in values, and yeah. it's going to okay. be. And she's on. Uh, she was on Buffy for several years. At, uh, later on, um, she played Harmony on that show for a long time. Um, oh, there's a dog running around. Um, All right, we'll but yeah, dog. Which, so something I wanted to talk about that I just so the chemistry between Gomez and Morticia is off mm. the charts. Yes, but have you like? Other than the Adams family, have we ever seen as healthy, loving relationships? Like, do we see? Because, like, there's such this trope of, like, man and women hate each other. Yeah. And it's driven comedy since the Honeymooners and probably before that. Uh, but there's just, like, this uh, in the sitcoms, uh, Ex- left and right. Yeah. I was and- about to say, that's what pulled me away from so many sitcoms is just looking at it and going... Nobody's happy. No, this isn't healthy. Why are we doing this? I'm weirdly obsessed with a uh, video that's been circulating of Javier Bardem. Somebody asks him, uh, asked him in Spanish and just said, uh, what does it feel like to be one of the only men on earth who enjoys working with his wife? He just gives a little head shake and he just says, that question is in poor taste. Doesn't say anything else. <laughs> love that. Come on. Gotta love that. Gotta love the representation there. Yeah, like, I don't know. No, I just think it's like this showing of this couple who love each other is revolutionary and still to this day we struggle to show loving relationships on screen i mean and they're just so endlessly loving of each other um that it's yeah it's it's crazy but uh that the sitcoms that i enjoyed were the ones because my parents watched a lot of sitcoms like the few that i enjoyed were the ones where it was like like king of queens were like uh, they they might have arguments, but it, it, it's all like at the t- like very clear that they like each other. Yeah, um, they're trying to make up to each other. Uh, they're trying. It's not the sense of like, oh, I gotta you know get flowers on my way home because I did the. Th-. But it's like, no, no, like I genuinely care and I want to make sure that your feelings are good. And, um, but Gomez and, and yeah, Morticia so are rare. Just such an exaggeration too. They are just like wildly passionate about each other at every moment of their lives. Like there's never a disagreement. There's never a point where they're not like living for each other and just totally thirsty. And uh, it's really fun to watch. Well, and I think they're like, they're also thirsty for each other, but like when Gomez is having uh, his crisis of faith, like multiple times in the movie, Morticia does like has a talk to Fester. Yeah. Uh, Like uh, she like, uh, cuddles him and she tries to get a job uh, you know she is being a good supportive significant other yeah. uh, in a constructive way uh, and not just a sickly sweet way um, she, she gets job reading to children <laughs> <laughs> makes him think about getting burned alive yeah I mean yeah no I mean uh, Morticia is like also like Angelica Houston plays her as somebody who is 10 steps ahead of everything like she knows that fester is not the real fester long before anything but she doesn't say anything because she is also an agent of chaos and like, <laughs> she, which is amazing she does yeah. say something she takes him for a walk and points yeah. out all of the people who've wronged them and how they were murdered yes 
It's like a very quick, like, look, if you fuck this up, we kill you. I loved their cemetery. Yes. I loved their cemetery so much. It was such a cute cemetery, a really unique sculpture format, uh, lots of half naked ladies. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's how I like my cemeteries. Am I right, <laughs> fellas? Uh, uh, no. Gross. Uh, gross. Yeah, I'm not an Adams. I can't pull that off. Um, <laughs> I'm coffee. I can pull it off. There you go. Yeah, you were you wore snakeskin. Yeah, you're fine. I don't, um, I don't like cemeteries enough. Yeah, that's fair. I used to have picnics in cemeteries when I was a teenager. Oh, of course, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Like, we used to. We used to have nighttime picnics <laughs> with candles and everything. Oh my god! But we would get so distressed because we'd light the candles and then moths would start burning themselves on the candles and then we'd put the candles out because we couldn't. It was like, stop killing yourselves, moths. Stop it. I don't know if we would have been friends in high school because if I was out after dark, it was because I was in the park with uh, fake lightsabers having battles with my friends. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe I don't know if we would have gotten along. Maybe, friends. maybe. Yeah, if you'd be willing to get big weird welts on your arm from <laughs> over exuberant lightsaber uh, battles. I, um, I got a. So I was. I started. I started working when I was like twelve or thirteen, tutoring. Okay. And then I got a job at Burger King, and I spent all my money. Uh, from my job uh, taking fencing lessons. <laughs> <laughs> hey, my my friend a couple years ago had a fencing birthday party. Like we had a little station. It's, it was a lot of it's so a lot of fun. fun. I'm bad at it, it. it. It's it's so much fun. Uh, so um, definitely like um, yeah, I started fencing my senior year of high school. Uh, but it was it was real fun. Yeah. I mean, I, there's a lot of fencing in this movie. Like, uh, yeah, <laughs> Gomez has a, a robust and sword back collection. Backflips, backflips, back and he flips it around. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, I mean, this movie is just—it's—it's it's 93 minutes long, and it is just fun and inventive in every frame of it. Yeah, I, um, I think the plot is a little lacking at times, but it's just—it's all fun. But it's just all a vehicle for like these mile-a-minute gags. Like yeah. there's a there's a joke in pretty much every scene, and they all, almost all land. Like I think it's all really still very funny. They get away with so much by embracing the darkness of it. I mean, again, to bring it back to Tim Burton, this is. Um, Carolyn Thompson and Larry Wilson were the team that wrote um, Beetlejuice and Ed Wood and a bunch of uh, early Tim Burton movies. So, like, they have their finger on that pulse. Like, they understand kind of the, Did you just the say creepy Ed Wood? vibe. Ed Wood, Ed yeah. Wood. One of my very is favorite that, movies. Is that a movie? As a movie, oh. it is a Tim Burton movie, 1994, starring Johnny Depp playing. It's a biopic about the worst director of all time, and it is a masterpiece. I thought you were mispronouncing Edward for Edward Scissorhands. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, Edward's, yeah those, those, My bad. I'm uncultured. <laughs> definitely check out Edward. It's an unbelievable movie. Um, but uh, let's, let's move on a little bit to the video game, because like we said, this movie was an unbelievable hit, uh, like just absolutely runaway hit, and it was merchandised out the ass, which means we got a lot of video game content. Now, the games that we played today, not the first Adams Family video games. Um, the first one was 1987's Fester's Quest, which is a <laughs> top-down shooter from the makers of uh, Gremlins 2 and the uh, Batman ga original game. Why? It is. It's. It's a good that's, question that's what to Fester ask. Fester does. It's he a, shoots things. It's a good question to ask because it's. It's. Uh, the series was pretty much dead at this point. Like nobody really cared about this franchise and the character in the game is based off of the Jackie Coogan uh, representation of him in the TV show. 
Uh, so basically, this is just like a 30-year-old TV show that's being made into a video game uh, for kids. And this game eventually became a big hit, like coasting off of the energy from this movie. Like so posture, like four years after the fact, it became a million seller on the NES. Oh, wow. Really? It's a famously hard game. Like it's kind of shitty, but it's also like there's something there. There's something there. It's kind of interesting. It's worth checking out. Fester's Quest. Uh, I really hope the dog slurps are getting picked up by the oh. mics right now as Rivet drinks all of the water available. Rivet drinks with her entire body. Like she just, she throws her whole, I'm worried she's going to throw her neck out one of these days just by how hard she slurps. Rivet, that's enough. Thank you. We have to cut her off because she will like drink too much and then throw up on the floor. Yeah. Puppies are fun, everybody. Get a puppy. <laughs> so cute, though. Uh, Do it. So Get a Adopt a puppy. Yes. I thought it was so interesting. Um, Rescue a puppy. Uh, going back to the movie for a second, we yeah. did talk about uh, the fact that Orion Pictures created this movie and then they sold it to Paramount mm. and they sold the international rights to Columbia and they made no money off of this. Oh, it, really? Yeah. Like Orion made uh, no so money or Paramount uh, made no money off uh, of it? No, Paramount made a ton because okay. they got they had domestic rights. Yeah, and I yeah. Think they, I'm pretty sure, I'm like 98% sure that uh, Orion sold uh, the rights, uh, the international rights to Columbia. Because I um, think Orion would have been going under around this time. Yeah, like they're like, back now. But, yeah. yeah. Uh, what was so interesting because they were they had so many hits with like um, Silence of the Lambs and uh, but this to to give away a winner and do you know anything about um, whether or not the games were successful I think they were like again the the there was like a little bit of a merchandising bonanza for these games at the time and these ones were actually fairly well received at the time we played two different versions of it we played the NES and we played the Super NES um, these are uh, side-scrolling hop-and-bop platformers where you play as Gomez. Your goal is to gather enough money that you can access different parts of the house and save individual members of your family. So we started with the NES one. Now, it should be said in both of these games, despite being uh, having the movie license and being based kind of roughly on the plot of the movie, like to the degree that these games have a plot, uh, it is based on like stuff from the movie. But the likenesses of Gomez is John Ashton from the original series. Like, so it, they they have the the likenesses from the original cast, but not from this movie, which is a little weird. But um, everything else here really is, it's kind of like an open world Mario or like an early open world because it's, it's like it's, a side scrolling Mario sixty four almost. It's non linear, and you can uh, kind of explore whatever room of the house at your leisure. Uh, and, but a lot of the elements that you see in both of these games are taken straight from Mario. Like, so you have a little cannon that spits cannonballs at you, and you have a little guy like the, it's like a beetle that walks around the ground. He's got a spike on his back, and so it looks like a lot of kind of very lightly remastered versions of this. But it looks good. The, it, the, the Super NES one looks really good. It looks real good. I mean, look, yeah. the, the NES one game doesn't look bad Sometimes for it looks bad. Time, you know, but, it doesn't yeah. look bad for its time. But It's like some of the sprites are a little awkward. But. Yeah. And I, I you know, the, the NES game is fine, but it was generally less engaging for me, the, and the it's like kind of punishing. The NES game was super hard. Yeah. Um, it was ridiculous like instead of just one hit and you lose uh, lose one heart or something like that you'd like 
lose the health rapidly for like this extended period of time is like well to be fair that was because you kept laying down on the spikes yeah well falling in spikes and then crouching it's the adams family i should be able to walk across spikes yes i agree you should be able to catch yourself on fire or do whatever you want they should do it like um they 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 made a series of wario games where the gimmick of this was that wario couldn't die so you solve puzzles by doing damage to Wario, like you set him on fire and then make him run through a wooden wall, or like you do things like, like that. Uh, that could have been an approach for this game. Was it Super Meat Boy? Yeah, kind of. Well, Super Meat Boy, you could oh, die you a could lot. Die then, yeah, but, yeah. But you die very. Yeah. Returning to the Super NES game, there are a thousand of <laughs> hidden rooms, yes. hidden situations, like hidden like mysteries, and there's it's just so engaging, and it's so there's so much gameplay and variety of gameplay. They have an ice level, which we all know it's pretty ace. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Pretty ace ice. Yeah, I would. Ace ice. I would say it's pretty cool. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. No, it's chill. It's chill. Yeah. Would you say yeah. it's cool as ice? Oh, if only that movie had a game. Oh my god, <laughs> that'd be unbelievable. The Vanilla Ice movie. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. This it, it really is amazing how like the the Super NES game just looks fantastic right from the get go. You have a little opening animation of Thing like coming out of the box and. The sprite animation is really, really yeah. gorgeous. Yeah. Like, and then it's even a little 3D effect as you like go inside the box. And then the game itself has kind of a cartoony uh, vibe to it. Again, you look like a little John Ashton, but like you, 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 you've got kind of a little toddler body. Like you butt stomp on people, and your little shoes go yeah. up in the air. And there's such a variety of villains. There's like chefs, uh, teapot. Like I was joking earlier that this is, has a lot to do with Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Uh, Beauty and the Beast's house uh, because there's just anthropomorphized um, Everything. cutlery. Yeah. Um, and it was yeah. so much fun. Um, and like I really am rather smitten with this game. And the sound was also pretty good, too. Yeah. There was a solid variety, and it was all, like, 8-bit versions of various stuff. Eh, I mean, that, that, that Adam's Family point. theme is but pretty iconic. I don't know if, like, what, younger people will immediately recognize that theme I think theme they will. Music, I think they like, do. I think it's it's in the zeitgeist. If, it's kind of a shave and a haircut thing. Like, yeah. if you go up to somebody and go, like, dun 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 They'll have to snap. Yeah. They have to snap immediately. Like I mean, it's an impulse. Yeah. Some of us can't snap. You can't so snap. So we won't snap. Oh, I can snap on every I finger. I can't whistle. I didn't know how to whistle until I, I was like kind 25. of whistle. Yeah. Like I finally cracked it somehow then. And I'm not a strong whistler. but My you know. two front teeth have a bit of a gap. Oh, um, yeah. Because yeah. I'm missing some teeth and hey. I got braces and we kind of fixed it all. But then I didn't wear my retainer. Oh, that'll do it. That'll so. do it. I always, I, this is a tangent, but I always, I can never figure out how to do like the fingers in the mouth whistling. Like, yeah. I don't know how people do that. That's crazy do. to me. Uh, it's a good thing I'm not a cowboy. But this. Yippee Kaye. Yippee Kaye, indeed. Yeah, I mean, the, the Super NES one. Wild, wild West. I was. Uh, <laughs> wiki, wiki, wild, wild. No. <laughs> uh, We're transitioning to the Wild, Wild West oh, episode. Something yes. before. Okay, we, I, I know sometimes I'm really bad about going back to the movie when we're talking about the game. No, hey, it's something all. Something uh, about the movie that I was like, oh my God, the early 90s. How they ha- dropped low key, like, rap hits, and they had an MC Hammer. Yeah. Oh! Oh my God! I'm gonna have so much more to say about that when we talk about values next week because uh, that song's been stuck in my head all day long. Whoop! The Adams Family. There it is. Yeah, I'm gonna be doing that all day. <laughs> it was like the, it completely out of like theme of the Adams yeah. Family to have 
rap throughout and you're just like what are you what is this about i mean again yeah, yeah so 90s this was the moment it, that mc hammer was at the the height of his popularity yeah. so naturally they get him to do that and we used to be a proper country and we used to end all of our movies with songs summarizing the movies we just watched <laughs> all right like come on what the hell we got to get that back um, it, it is wild and I still remember a lot of the lyrics to that song they do what they want I do say what they want I'm not going to do it do you think that's why Barbie is such a success oh right they do have like the running commentary song in that yeah yeah I think that's the secret I think we need to do that with everything Oppenheimer should have had one I'm just saying yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's dropping that bomb the musical yeah yeah no it's uh, yeah I mean, uh, mix Oppenheimer with Asteroid City and then... <laughs> Oh, yeah. No, but uh, I, I agree with you. I was very charmed by this game. It is also like the NES version. It is pretty punishingly difficult. Uh, we start with only two hearts, and, like, everything kind of hurts you, you know? So those two hearts aren't going to stretch you for very long. You can get more hearts by defeating bosses. But, again, we did not find this because we're bad at this game. I would and say we had to watch a, a, a walkthrough to see, like... We, we so were bad at both games? We were, no, yeah. we were bad. We were bad at the NES okay. game. We were real. All three of us were bad at the He's NES so game. Bad at yeah. The other one where we were making inroads are, but yeah. there's so many. But we decided to instead of focusing on one room to get through the room, we we're like, let's check out all of the rooms, and it's very exciting to be able to play a bunch of div different levels at the start of a game. Yeah, I really love that. Like, I love that structure. Uh, we also like in our in watching the walkthrough. Uh, there are so many hidden rooms, and like, Everything, there's a hidden yeah. room where you get like 33 lives. Yes, and it's just, you're like, what the fuck? And then they get all a bunch of hearts, and you're like. Ah, how is this possible? The, this was legitimately like somebody memorized this everything of this game. And so when we play the game, we're trying to get like a good smattering sample of stuff to do. We're like seriously playing, but like yeah. if we're trying multiple times to get through one thing, we'll go, hey, let's try out this other thing. Get, we'll get a peek at the variety, especially yeah, with a game yeah. like this where so many of it was open to start. You get to see a good amount of the game. You get to play with the mechanics. Yeah, and we have limited time to kind of really dig into it so it helps to see like what's coming up next some of these bit. things were like you had to look up a game guide to figure them out it's like if you jump against this wall and push towards the wall there's a secret hallway but it's like at jump level yeah so you're only getting in it if you actually know it's there and then sometimes it was just like <laughs> you think this is a wall near the end of the level oh, no you fool it's yes. a hallway i mean it's kind of like what we were talking about with jr a couple of weeks ago it's just that, like you know when you're younger in the early 90s like you got one game you got one game a year and that had to tide you over you know unless you're like renting games all the time this had to tide you over so you get real real good at these games and I think this one, if you had this game as a kid, you probably were a lot happier than if you had the Roger Rabbit game, yeah. which, uh, you know, is, is just kind of beating your head against the wall. But this one has so many different things to find and explore. And I think that's the right spirit of it, because that's the cool thing about the house in the movie is that it's got a million little hidden doors and like all that labyrinthine like area under the house where yeah. the vault is like. You could have a lot of fun with level there's, design. There's a lot of things to do to navigate the attic, which we didn't find. No, we got to a game room, which is basically the danger room from X Men, with like blades <laughs> spinning everywhere and like people throwing axes at you. I will say, uh, the, a lot of the themes of the rooms were not 
super relevant. No, no. Not they were fun. Yeah. They were interesting, but they weren't super relevant. Yeah. At no point did they have to turn off grandma's oven. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> by fighting through an elaborate range of monkeys in teacups, mm-hmm. teapots, yeah. and uh, what else was in that one? Oh, the killer chef. Killer yeah, chef. the killer yeah. chef. I, I like that they kept the, the enemies like consistent from Tea level kettles. to level. Yeah. Yeah, Why like, was there so many chefs in that kitchen? Yeah, it's a big kitchen. It's a big and kitchen. they're little chefs. Like they're, they're, they're little ratatouilles well, They're the same size there. as you. Yeah, and he's a little guy. Gomez is a little guy compared to the rest of the yeah, house. I mean, there was like, what, 12 chefs? That's a solid kitchen staff. That's a pretty good staff, yeah. Yeah, but hey, they're loaded, you know? That's kind of always the joke yeah, with them. They're these old money loaded, like, weirdos. I feel like they didn't have a chef in the movie. No, they didn't. They just had like Grandma uh, cooking yeah. from a Grey's Anatomy book. Yeah. I, I mean, loved, also, I loved the dancing in the movie. Of, oh, the mamushka. Which, at, yeah. if you finish the... Um, NES game, they have uh, Morticia and Gomez waltzing mm. uh, disturbingly uh, <laughs> together Is there any other way? with her having this giant creepy smile on her face. Uh, but yeah, the uh, like I, I just thought the dancing was spectacular in the in in the in the movie. And uh, that was a great way to open up the world too and see like, okay, it's not just like this little group of like five weirdos. There's a whole extended family yeah. of weirdos, and they're all similarly just like super happy people and just like ecstatic to be alive and ecstatic to be part of this tradition do we know if the hair one was happy yeah cousin it yeah yeah i mean they they have great conversations yeah Yeah. like they he broke up a marriage but like that marriage was breaking up oh yeah that needed to be broken up yeah yeah dan hideo was not going to live very long did he break it up or did he die he died. Uh, well, he know, was put in the coffin while still alive. Oh, yeah. They buried him alive. <laughs> yeah, they buried them both alive. Also, Dan Hedaya, maybe the one man uh, hairier in real life than Cousin It. So, like, she was prepared. Like, it was an easy transition, like, to go from one extremely hairy man to another one. So, yeah, it worked out well for her. Um, yeah, I mean, th- that's kind of about all I have to say on this game. Like, I, I, I had a... a pleasant time with this game i kind of wanted to go back and get better at it and Mm -hmm. uh, we learned from watching the walkthrough that there's a sword that's going to make your life a whole lot easier like get the sword or like get the baseballs or whatever like there's things that you can do to make your life a little easier um and if we had uh the 15 years or whatever it took for the youtube guy to get that good at it then uh i i would have embraced it a little bit more like we all have heard our elders say yes when there's a wall there's a way oh my (laughs) god you're rhyming it now too you're bringing it back and then you're rhyming it (laughs) oh oh beautiful well, let's move on to our rankings for The Adams Family. Is this a good movie, good game, a bad movie, bad game, or does it fall somewhere in between? J. Ben, let's start with you. Uh, good movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, good to borderline great, especially for children. Uh, I think th- I think this is a one of those PG-13s that's perfectly appropriate for children. Especially um, if you have weird children. Yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> which I was a weird child. Me too. Um, and um, I think the... Um, NES game is bad, and I think the Super NES game is spectacular. I think okay. it's like spectacular. Ga- like I had so much. Like we play a lot of games, and very rarely do I like want to be like, oh my god, I, d- I just want to play this game for hours. You did, yeah. You kept saying like, oh no, I want to keep like I we 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 had our usual point where we're like, all right, well, should we move on and record? You're like, no, I want to keep playing this, and you do not like jumping. <laughs> no, yeah, I don't this like is jumping. all jumping. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm really happy you were getting into it. I think I'm going good movie, good game as well. Uh, 
I had uh, a really good, I mean, look, this movie is timeless. I could watch it at any time of the day or night, like, and just put it on and put it in the background. It'll make me happy. And this game was a pleasant surprise. Yeah, I would say the NES one is not really the way to go. And just be prepared if you're playing the SNES version for a pretty steep difficulty curve, at least at the beginning. But you have to be patient. You gotta be patient. You gotta be patient. You, you have to be patient attention. with a lot of these old and, games. Uh, um, curious. You've gotta. You've oh gotta yeah. Try to find the hidden stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would say good movie, good game for the SNES. I don't think I liked the movie quite as much as y'all did, but I still thought it was a good movie. Okay. And I, I. Definitely didn't like the SNES game as much as J-Band did, <laughs> but I still thought it was an all right game. Yeah. Um, if if this was a game at the time that you had purchased, you were probably going to be okay with that. I think so. Um, I think, yeah. If you got it now, you'd probably, if you were interested, still play it a bit. Yeah. Um, as opposed to many of the NES games we've played and the SNES games we've played where you would probably put it down real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, well, we are going to be continuing our Adams Family miniseries next week by talking about the sequel. That's 1993's Adams Family Values, which also has a Super Nintendo game. Uh, and uh, I am so excited to be talking about that one. We're going to have our friend Hayato on to talk about that movie with us. And uh, we're going to put in some quality time with that game. And I'm very eager to discuss it. Uh, so thank you, everybody, to, for listening. You can always send us mail at uh, cinemarcadepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, also, I'm going to toss out a plug. Check out my other podcast, Puppet Masters and Castle Freaks. I think around the time this came out, uh, this comes out, we're going to have a great interview with uh, a New York Times bestselling author, Grady Hendrix, who came on oh, to talk about... Oh, that's awesome. Uh, I've read a couple of his books. He's great. He's so nice. And he came on to talk about a really insane movie with us, which was a lot of fun. And um, yeah, we've got a bunch of other really exciting guests coming up throughout all of October, which is uh, just my time to thrive. I, I love all of October. I'm going to get real excited about it. So thank you everybody for listening. We will see you next week for Adam's Family Values. There it is. <laughs>